I know everyone complains about this woke comedy stuff now. I'm like, yeah, it's also obnoxious, but oh god, like I mean, the, this was something you guys invented, stand-up comedy. You Americans, like we actually had a great in Europe. We had a pretty great tradition of music hall, um, pantomime, comedia dell'arte, and then you invent stand-up comics and you ruin it for the rest of the world this is why we need ethan on the show you know like we're in the world and they have all these american style stand-up comics like and like this bill burr and i said to my wife make me a sandwich like oh my god like but i think that's kind of it's quite a contemporary thing like why are we so in love with this american stand-up comic thing Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Artifact. Uh, we have an all-star cast today uh, with myself, Jessica Schneider, who actually uh, did an essay recently, or maybe not so recently, on one of the subjects of this show. We have uh, Zeke and we have Ethan Pinch. For this uh, part of the public show, we'll be discussing Frank Whaley's, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, 2001 film the jimmy show which actually takes quite a bit of influence both in terms of plot as well as maybe even some of the specific devices some of the ambiguities from martin scorsese's uh was it 1982 83 mm -hmm. the king of comedy and we'll get a get into the king of comedy specifically and more fully in the patron only show after this i'm about to start a youtube membership program as well so people that are not on patreon they could still get access to some of these uh, private feed videos by being youtube members and that should be live in the next week or two so let's just uh, get into the film uh so jessica as i mentioned i'm going to link her uh, essay for the automachination.com website and one thing that surprised me upon reading her essay as well as watching the film was it's it's not a great film like king of comedy but it's just full in scene after scene after scene just like so many like deft uh little um techniques right so many like little decisions that work very nicely there's a kind of playing with time that uh like you won't really notice it unless you're watching it for a second time but mm -hmm. um second or third viewings you start noticing little techniques of like playing with time where you don't exactly know where a scene is supposed to be if it's like months later years later mm -hmm. and you know it, there's kind of like this uh, intentional conflation sometimes going on uh, the characters, since they're supposed to be, I guess, a, a little bit on the younger side in the film, they don't age all that much, even as time passes. And I think that's, you know, part of the technique where you have uh, two characters, one of them ends up uh, going through a ton of changes and transformations. And the other one, Frank Whaley's character, uh, uh, or Jimmy in the Jimmy show, does not really have any transformations at all, except perhaps maybe a moment of uh, self-consciousness and reflection near the end. And maybe we could actually take it away with with Jessica here. You could get into some of your observations in the essay, as well as maybe anything new that you want to bring to bear in the show. Oh, okay. So um, I wanted to do, uh, I always wanted to write an essay about this film because I feel like the Jimmy show was really 
badly overlooked. And if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes reviews, it's like 38%. Like it's just, it looks like a lot of the people watching it were expecting a kind of like maybe a romantic comedy or some kind of like slice of life rather than actually seeing a real portrait of somebody who is, it's really a great portrait of a failure. It's really a guy who just realizes at the end though that he is a failure and you it's so realistic in terms of the arts because you come across a lot of people who have these dreams but they will go at all odds to try to achieve them but they they're they're missing something and a lot of times either you know they don't always come to this realization the way he does and also, I, I saw how the descriptions for the film were also wrong because um, Frank Whaley works in a grocery store and he has his friend there, his coworker, played by Ethan Hawke, characters named Ray. And they made it seem like, you know, Ray is just sort of like a pothead type. He, he's basically the guy who doesn't have the dream. He just does his job and he goes home and he smokes his pot and he doesn't have any ambitions. But ironically, he's actually like the better person because... Frank Whaley is just somebody, or not Frank Whaley, Jimmy is just somebody who just likes to take shortcuts in life. He wants to, he invents the, he wants the, oh, remember that toaster oven thing? He does the hot dog toaster oven. He wants get rich quick, you know, ideas. And he, he thinks that going to, uh, you know, doing this 10 minute stand up routine is going to, oh, it's my big break. And uh, the ironic thing is that in the in the descriptions they were saying Ray is a terrible influence. It's like actually it's the other way around. Ray is the one trying to say, "Hey man, you can't be stealing and all that beer. You know you got to come to work on time." And um, Jimmy is just sort of like I think he's I think he's a bit of a narcissist. He thinks he's above it all. He thinks he's better than people. He thinks he's smarter than he is. Um, and everyone around him is actually better off. Uh, than he is. And I think at the end is, is like, he comes to realize, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't interfere here. Let them move on. Cause he's kind of a drag. The guy, you know, he really is. And, um, I do think it is funny how he, he does, he shows up at the, at the club and he's like, Hey, I got my big break. And the guy's like, I'll try to keep the audience at bay. You know, it's it's like nobody gives a shit here. And he also you see glimpses of his selfishness where he's taking care of his invalid grandmother, where she should be in assisted living. Why is he feeling the need to take this on? It's like other than to be the hero or something. It's about himself. And you'd sit there and you say, oh, but he's but it's, it's not what's best for her. And it's not what's best for his wife. And the film really does convey kind of just a. Um, uh, in a way, a depressing kind of static life where this person is going nowhere. And if you stick around him, you're going to go nowhere. Um, but I wouldn't say, I think that's why a lot of people didn't gave it negative reviews. I think they didn't understand like, well, that's the point. I think they were just trying, they, they expected something else. And like you said, Alex, it does play with time because I mean, you know, he goes from comedy club to comedy club and eventually he's just pouring his life story out into the mic. And you don't, he goes, you don't know where he is. You can tell that the scenes are changing. So he bounces around probably because he gets kicked out of there, kicked out of here. And I remember one critic saying or reviewer saying, why anyone, why would he still be doing that there? You know, it's like, well, obviously it's not the same place. And he just has no, he has no grace. He doesn't have any poise, unlike, which we'll talk about later, 
um, Rupert Pupkin, who does have poise. He's just not particularly funny, but he does know what he, he he's much, he's more advanced, you know, definitely um, in terms of the two characters. But um, those are kind of my initial thoughts. I'm, Zeke, I'm interested in what you thought of it when you saw it for the first time. Yeah, so I, I, I was definitely sort of primed to expect um, something that maybe the initial reviewers or viewers of the film didn't because I'd read Dan's review first of the movie um, and then I read yours. And so I, w- I kind of like wasn't going to be taken aback by some of those things. I wasn't coming mm-hmm. in expecting like a, like a really funny or sort mm-hmm. of lighthearted film. I, was, I already kind of knew that it was going to be this sort of realistic, down-to-earth look at this uh, schmuck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's true. I think everything you said, I, I, I'd echo it. And the, the playing with the time stuff, like even when, even when they, I think a lot of that has to do with probably very limited budget. They didn't really have time to shoot over a long period of time. So they had to like, you know, the passing of time isn't going to, they're not going like, to mm-hmm. make up for like older people or when they're older or anything. But even when they flash back to him, like uh, in high school, uh, in, in his in his track years, it's like he he's, he still looks like you know it's like <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. adult, but it's also it's kind of like a like a you know kind of speaks to his inability to grow up, where he's yeah. you know um, sort of he's sort of in that sort of same high school state of wishing for something bigger than um, bigger than uh, than what his what his current life can allow, and I think that's really what the film is about, like. He's always talking about, like he says, mm-hmm. like, I'm always talking about climbing the mountain. Like, why can't I just climb it? And it's that mm-hmm. inability to to realize his his dreams in a way that's meaningful that um, I think the film really captures well. It's not a great film, like Alex said, but I think it's also because it, it can't be great because the character isn't great. You know what I mean? It's like, it's as, it's as realistic a portrait of that sort of person you know what I mean? The, the character himself sort of limits the depths of the film. So, um, but yeah, that's, I really liked it. I thought it was a, I know. A really it, well, well it, just film, fits, yeah. it fits us. We're all like, Oh, I love this. It's depressing. <laughs> I love it. No. Well, what did you think? Yeah. What did you think, Ethan? Um, well, you know, I, I, I feel slightly that my, my role in this conversation will be, sort of the ghost at the feast because you know I, I don't really one of my pet peeves is sort of realist cinema because you know being an Englishman that's really all we seem to ever do sort of these sort of dour sort of uh, English realist films so I, I really kind of want to prod some of these uh, assessments we're making about this film for one thing do we think this is a comedy could this be classified as a comedy film a dark comedy as well as a character study um, you know, um, and and to what degree can you have um, a sort of a comic character study? You know, like a serious, um, realistic, you know, character study, quote unquote, but also something that is essentially, you know, part of a comic tradition. You know, some and you know, comedy mm-hmm. as we know it as a theatrical tradition goes back thousands of years. You know, so I mean, like, what what did what is this doing? What is this sort of contributing to or can we even say sort of departing from that tradition mm. um so i'd be interested to know what you guys sort of think of that is this a comedy film 
Well, it's uh, I definitely think it has a, a black comedy angle um, that serves like further and further to characterize some of the individual uh, characters. Like, for instance, uh, I you know I, I'm guessing many people won't, won't necessarily have the impression when they're viewing the scene where uh, Jimmy's wife is giving birth. In the midst of this, he starts to freak out and he's just kind of like running around, you know, screaming randomly into, um, you know, doors that are closed, trying to get people uh, to help. And mm-hmm. it, sh- it struck me right away like, well, she clearly just wants him to like literally like physically be there right now with her instead of doing this kind of like impotent kind of just like running around and there's a a, i guess a kind of humor uh in the situation like that uh the very final line is something like no more jokes uh, yeah yeah like (laughs) like no more jokes or something that but you could laugh if you want that also kind of lends some credibility to the idea of you know in the black comedy you don't necessarily laugh in the way that you might laugh in some of the scenes in a, a film like the king of comedy but still, like you, you could recognize in an objective way uh, a kind of humor, and it, it works especially well here because uh, Jimmy is just he's he's very very unlikable, right? Um, yeah. And there's only yeah, there's yeah. only like a few situations just that kind of like cut through that a little bit. Like I remember early on, uh, there's this kind of dynamic between Jimmy and his grandmother. At first, you're not even sure if that's a grandmother or his mother. And they seem to be like constantly bickering about stuff, right? There seem to be some kind of like mutual resentments going on. And after this kind of like explosive scene, uh, it ends with him kind of going upstairs and tucking her into bed. And it's a very kind of tender moment. And it's 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 a, it's a nice decision because uh, moments like that cut through some of the kind of buildup that the character ends up. Uh, uh, getting right i mean like i said he is very unlikable and i think honestly that's probably one of the reasons why it's not just rotten tomatoes like if uh, i forget where i didn't watch it on youtube but there was like something that showed up on my roku tv and they also have like a rating for it and it was something like two stars so it seems to just have like negative impressions all around uh, the board right there's nothing there's not really much that's redemptive within it. There are again, like there is like the the subtle idea of perhaps he comes to some sort of realization closer to the end. But besides that, it, it definitely has this kind of a, a depressing, kind of over overbearing quality to it. So I mean, that, that's my impression of the kind of meta uh, question. And um, uh, and and Jess and um, Zeke, by extension, is could we all could we also say um, for this film that this is a satire? that um, uh, its um, uh, content is satirical in the same way that many people say um, the content of King of Comedy is a sort of, you know, black comedy slash social satire. Is this a sort of satirical commentary on, you know, America? I wouldn't say it's a satire. I, I actually, honestly, I view it as a portrait of a failure. Like, a, it's like a, you can't say it's a tragedy because he's not a great man. A tragedy is technically a great person falls from grace or whatever. Um, but it's just um, a portrait of, um, you know, a, a failure. Um, I would say it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have the... Um, the richness of King and King of Comedy, but but it's like with what it does, it does very well. The Jimmy Show, um, it doesn't have like great uh, cinematography effects. It's very straightforwardly shot. So in that sense, it it comes off you know standard budget, lower budget, but it's it 
it works um, it, for what it is. And um, I thought, you know, a lot of the interactions were very good. How, you know, um, Jimmy seems to push everyone away. Um, you know, Ray is supposed to be his best friend, but they don't know when each other's birthdays are or anniversaries or, um, and, and Ray comes off actually kind of like a nice guy, but he's, he is the kind of guy that, you know, he just goes to work. He has no ambition. He goes home to smoke pot. He doesn't think about anything. And yet Jimmy looks down on him. You know, remember when he's talking about him, he's like, oh, this guy's an idiot. And, um, but, uh, Jimmy is unlikable. Yes. Uh, I thought like that scene in the restaurant where he's acting like an arrogant ass and he's like, people know me or, and all this crap and, and, um, that. And then I thought the scene in the, when he, the, his wife is giving birth, it's kind of like trying to be comical, but I thought it more reflected what a dummy he is. He's just acting yeah, exactly. really stupid. He's like, it's like, this is no, you don't have to act like this. Like it, in that sense, it feels forced but i don't think it's really necessarily aiming for comedy there i think it's just trying to show what a dummy he is he's just he's not as clever as he thinks he is he um uh you know and then he goes and takes those lower end jobs you know later jobs he's like sitting there a toll booth collector i mean this guy you know you've you've known people like this um but at least he does have the dr a dream but he's not good at it yeah you know? I think I resist satire because when I when I hear that word, I think of like like a more a larger expansive commentary on like a, a bigger theme on like politics or, or media, sort of like what I think what King of Comedy does more well and, it, and, and it's more expansive. It, it's, it's like with the Jerry show, it seems to be sort of lampooning media itself kind of. Um, and with like all the meta things, but it's so but Jimmy show, it's so focused on Jimmy and you know his life and particulars of who he is as a person that um that i don't really see it as too much of a satire it doesn't seem to be making a kind of um larger point about you know i mean through the particular of who he is you can see it's sort of like what life might be like for working class per person such as jimmy you know in, in that in that world in that uh, part of the country but but yeah i think i i don't, I don't know if i would use the word satire I mean, even even the name of the movie, right? The the Jimmy yeah. Show. Uh, it's kind of like it, it has almost like a little bit of a carnival esque quality to it, where it's not necessarily going to be a comedy. It's not like the King of Comedy, although that's you know th that that I think some satire and some lampooning of the grander meter ecosystem. I think that applies definitely more to King of Comedy, but here. You know, he doesn't even go up and make jokes for the most part, right? He just yeah. uses an opportunity to sometimes sober, sometimes not, you know, go in these kinds of uh, rages, mm -hmm. talk about himself. And he makes so an really idiot like of himself. Jimmy show. Yeah. yeah, like you know, there's that scene where his wife goes to watch yeah. him and she walks out. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I can't remember what he's saying, but he's saying something that's just about their love life. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like he doesn't respect boundaries. He doesn't. He's just, he's just a buffoon. And, and I see what you say, Ethan, it, in that sense, it does have that kind of like, um, I, I do see what you mean with that kind of working class, kind of Mike Lee-ish tendency of like the, the sad person who goes nowhere. And, and so I do see the kind of the, the connection that you would make to like English cinema, like, especially thinking of like a, a Mike Lee film, perhaps, 
Um, but that's maybe one of the reasons I really enjoy Mike Lee. I, I do like, I do enjoy realistic uh, portrayals of people. Um, uh, just, just that showing kind of like what, not just what their perspective, but just there's maybe a, a different way to view, to view this, um, to view their lives. Like I said, the whole thing with Jimmy, he's a failure, but in the end, he lets his wife and daughter go off and he's like, he's not going to stand in their way from them trying to succeed. So that's maybe a plus for him. Well, he, he is buffoonish in that regard. Like Jessica mentioned his, his uh, lack of intelligence. I think he has a kind of like pre-literate intelligence. Uh, I, I think he's probably more intelligent than Rupert Pupkin in King of Comedy. But it's a kind of intelligence where it's like, you know, he, he has access to like maybe some words that the more general public might not. Like when he starts talking about a caste system, he keeps like, for instance, when he starts like picking some of these fights, he doesn't quite understand wh what to actually do with the attention that he receives. Like, so for instance, <clears throat> when he starts getting on that rant about, oh, you want to come here and tell me how to do my job? Well, what do you do? And he eventually gets it out of uh, that heckler that he's a shoe salesman. And he uses that as an opportunity to make fun of the fact that, you know, it's a very kind of classist sort of a uh, comment that he's making. What he doesn't understand is, the people around him, they are making fun of him, not specifically uh, about the job that he's doing, is that he's choosing to do a job that he happens to be pretty bad at. So the shoe salesman, it might be true that, you know, the grand scheme of things, he's not that important, right, in the way that maybe some other job might be. But the fact is, he might be, you know, very good at his job, whereas at a bare minimum, we know for a fact that Jimmy is not good at his. So, you know, that he, he doesn't quite understand that, um, you know, what exactly this external critique is. He's not able to quite internalize it. And even like some of the like uh, beginning images that you see, some of the like so-called photos or whatever from high school where he has this kind of like bad boy look or quality to him. Uh, you could tell that with the way that he's sort of behaving now, you know, all of that from the very beginning, you know, from high school until now was more or less a kind of put on. Uh, he seems to really be somebody that has very much peaked in high school. And you rarely get this kind of, you know, portrait of specifically that kind of person. Um, and well, you know, it reminds me of you brought up shoe salesman. Uh, if you ever watch married with children, um, <laughs> Al Bundy, I mean, all he ever talks about is how he he um, he he scored the four touchdowns at, at and for Polk High and mm -hmm. that one and he's always doing the and that's that was his peak and then he's he now he's a shoe salesman so that I think I do think something like Married with Children is a great satire I think that is poking fun much more um, I don't think it's Ted uh, I said Ted Bundy Ted <laughs> Al Bundy <laughs> Al Bundy. Um, you don't you don't really feel sorry for him because he's you know yeah it's done with that comic effect and not that i feel sorry for jimmy but i feel sorry for the people around him yeah um because jimmy does it to himself and it's interesting you said it was high school because i think in my review i said community college but i couldn't remember it doesn't really matter yeah. but the yeah, fact yeah. that he he blew the opportunity to have this um the, the scholarship he he was presented with opportunities but he always wants the easy way out um mm. And, uh, and his wife, she's too good for him. Like, 
she's pretty and she's nice and she seems smart and and it's like why are you with this guy but you know ultimately she uh, she loves him but he's just destructive you know when she comes to she has to leave him she's like it's every single day it's every day he's just i think it's a you know he's so angry he's so angry jimmy yeah. he's just comes home and he's just angry about everything and it's like well what are you doing to try to make it better and he thinks yeah. he is but you know he he's not capable of it yeah so uh we'll we could talk about that divorce scene a little bit it's very well done in the sense that uh, on the one hand, he's extremely surprised that she even wants a divorce, which just kind of speaks to his own kind mm. of inability to, you know, think about uh, other people, their intentions, what they're going through. Like he's not, he's not able to uh, empathize with other situations, but also in terms of like the narcissism, uh, he can't even believe that it's going on. It doesn't actually register that mm -hmm. this is what she wants. And also it comes very, very, not maybe from our perspective, because I feel like like along the way, like the viewer should be thinking, you know, this might be happening. This is on the table. But um, it's it's still, you know, it's, it's, it's surprising in the sense of like it, ha it happens quite suddenly. And also the surprise is not just the suddenness, but the way that his wife, uh, to Jessica's point, like, yes, she is like better than he is in that regard. She's extremely adamant and she's very firm, right? She does not waver. Mm -hmm. Because at the beginning, like you could, you know, you could critique uh, a Frank Whaley's character, but at the same time, uh, Jimmy is kind of a loser and there must be some kind of insecurity or something going on with his wife that she stays for so long despite seeing all these situations. But the real change I think that she undergoes and he does not is uh, her obvious change is she becomes very firm and very decisive. And you see this then, you see this later on in, in, in later mm -hmm. scenes, in the closer to the final scene where they last see each other um mm -hmm. and and he uh seems to cultivate no other you know wider uh mm -hmm. personality traits like the, the the big issues between the two of them is one of them grows and the other one does not yeah. reflecting also a little bit what happens i guess also in um uh woody allen's annie hall well i like um i remember uh, after Speaking of her being firm, remember he he shows up when she's taking courses at the community college, and he notices. He goes, "Those are new earrings. Are those new earrings?" Like obviously, you know, it's maybe hinting. Maybe she has a new boyfriend. There, you know, and she's like, you know, and he goes, um, "You're going out later. Who are you going out with?" She goes, "Jimmy." You know, like it, right there, like he's just already trying. Where are you going? Where are you going? And I thought it was a really nice scene where it conveyed kind of how she would feel just sad and depressed. This when she wants to open the blinds and the grandma goes, I close the blinds. And she could just see like a part of her heart dies. She's just like this. She's in this house with no sunlight. And it's like, you know. I know for me, like when living in Texas during this heat, we've had to keep the blinds shut a lot because to keep the heat out when it's 110 degrees. And after a while, I mean, that really can start to wear. That's why I'm outside right now. You know, you're like, you're, it's just very, it, it was a really nice moment of showing that kind of just this, God, it's just everything's ensconced. Everything's closed in. There's no sun. There's no brightness. It's all this enclosed kind of world it's jimmy's show jimmy show that's why it is it's the jimmy show it's all about him until the end when he's kind of like hmm okay I, i'm thinking about this maybe maybe i'll make it about you know it's kind of that one redeeming thing about him that he's like maybe they're better off without me mm. yeah i like that it wasn't really played up any for any extra 
drama or anything because I think at that point we're, we ought to be rooting for her to mm-hmm. like make that decision. I wasn't like like emotional at all at that scene because I was like, finally, like she's like going to leave this dude. Um, but I think from what I remember, I think I like the staging of that scene too. Like I, I, I think from what I remember, she's pretty much like static and like reflecting what you said about her standing her ground and finally being decisive. And he's like moving around, like what do you, what do you mean, like what are you, what are you talking about, like let's talk about this. And he's just sort of going crazy, but she's, it doesn't really move, and you know, mm-hmm. she she finally stands her ground to to leave this guy, and um, and uh, yeah, she's like leaning against the wall or something, um, and she's mm-hmm. clearly very nervous, but like you know, she's already made the decision. She she's dropped Wendy off at her mom's place, um, mm-hmm. and then he, and it doesn't like, and there's no like huge hysterics on his part. I think I feel like he, deep down he knows that yeah. this is probably it, supposed it is. to happen. And well, so, it, it, you know, says, I don't want to be in this house anymore. I don't want yeah. my daughter in this house. Yeah. And, and it's, again, it's this enclosed kind of yep. ensconced, depressive yeah. existence. He's, he's like pig pen and everything around him is this cloud of just despair. And um, she doesn't want to be around it anymore. And you can't fault yeah. her for that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so I, I, you know, I thought that was j- just really well done. And, and um, you know, um, I can't think of anything. I mean, I agree aligned with a lot of um, both of your, your points um, regarding this. Um, did you see, uh, Zeke, did you watch Jimmy show first or King of Comedy first? I saw, I saw Jimmy show first. And then okay. King of Comedy, yeah. huh, that's good. <laughs> Ethan? I've been familiar with uh, King of Comedy for uh, for a while now. Um, I'd never heard of um, the Jimmy Show until I'd read uh, Jess's essay, and um, it was a quite difficult film to procure. I have to say, um, I know there's a American Territories version on on YouTube, uh, but that's not available in um, uh, my corner of the world. It's it does seem a very uh, you know obscure kind of thing actually and i think i even saw an interview with the creator sort of bemoaning this talking about how it's one of the best things sort of he feels that he's done and no one compliments him about it no one says oh i really like and you know i am i'm not in love with it uh i don't really i don't really know what the fascination is with the with the subject the main character and i'm not really you know i'm not really sure um you know, I, I'm just not really sure kind of what it's all for. Mm-hmm. But I, I do see the parallel between the King of Comedy. I do see um I do see it as an interesting sort of nexus of sort of ideas that I see going on in contemporary culture right now, especially regarding the status of the stand-up comedian. Um I think the stand-up comedian is something that's taken on this really strange sort of cultural cachet at the moment, um, where you know you have comedians being demagogues. Or, you know, sort of um, gurus, even sort of self-styled gurus, you know, what have you. Um, I'm not really even a a particularly kind of, I'm not very uh, uh, predisposed towards stand-up comics or sort of the whole um, Mm -hmm. theism of stand-up comics. You know, this sort of, uh, you know, ranting. But I, I, I suppose, to me, The Jimmy Show is interesting as a kind of almost um, a sort of, a, a slightly kind of screwing look at kind of like the kind of mentality that needs people to being a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's sort of 
Warholian, you know, um, need to be recognized, to be sort of heard, to be sort of, um, to be famous, whatever it's for, you know, you don't have anything, you know, any content per se, it's you, it's the me show. Um, and that, you know, the theme could extend into the King of Comedy. But that, that sort of, I'm here to kind of listen to everyone else or what, what they see in this film. Because, um, again, maybe it's a sort of culture shock thing or whatever, but I just think it's a kind of one of these sort of quite dour sort of realist films where you see people, again, being mediocre and I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to feel, you know, or how I feel kind of, um, you know, am I supposed to laugh at their foibles? Am I supposed to sort of recognize myself in them? I'm not sure. I think some of the performances were very good. Ethan Hawke steals the show. Yeah. Um, in the mother. Uh, uh, maybe I kind of understand why it's been sort of lost in the time, like why it's been overlooked. It's um, uh, is there anything that any uh, one of you can nominate that kind of really sets this film apart from anything else ever made? You know, even the most minor thing. Well, I mean, uh, first of all, like just in terms of characterization and, you know, no one, you know, no one here is really a trite in a very kind of predictable way. Um, I, I alluded earlier, uh, the way that it plays with time, uh, could be pretty arresting, especially upon a, a second viewing. Like for instance, I remember, uh, at the beginning when he's like, so excited to like do this, like stand up mic and he's being just kind of like insulted left and right about his like lack of understanding what an open mic is and he ends it by saying okay yes i will show up i will show up i will do this and next thing you see is nine months later right so it's it's to indicate that his uh wife is about to give birth and yet so like you're stuck in the situation where like all right he was so excited to do this we know that he's a comedian but we have not seen his routine and nine months later, what, it, it, we're not even going to uh, get a taste of what his performance yeah. was like. So immediately you think, okay, maybe it was so bad and this is the point. It's not even worth seeing. And yet, just a, uh, a little bit after that, you have a scene where he finally does show up to the open mic. And this is actually it seems to be the first time. So this thing that he was so hyped up to do. Uh, nine months ago, he, just psychologically, for whatever reason, you know, he's like one of these people that seems to, you know, he has all these high ambitions, but he doesn't actually do anything. Uh, another example of playing with time that's pretty arresting is I recall how, so like when his uh, daughter turns like four or five or whatever it was, and he, he's like really itching to go to work, right? And you don't know why. And she's like, just stay, stay with her longer, right? It's her birthday, for God's sake. And he's like, no, I have to go to work. And next next shot is him drinking beer at work. Now, your mind will automatically goes to, so is this the very same day, the day of her birthday? He's just going to work so he could drink. Turns out that it's not the same day. And that kind of plays with your mind. But then you think, well, does it even matter that it's not the same day? Because you know mm -hmm. if he shows up to work, he's literally going to be drinking. It does not have to be the same day. So there's a lot of like uh, time that gets sort of like smooshed down mm -hmm. in this way. That's pretty mm -hmm. novel. Um, uh, to your like question of like, you know, what is this like meta aspect of, you know, like, like who, who is Jimmy and what is the point of it all? I sort of agree that given the nature of the character, uh, there is a kind of ceiling that establishes yeah. itself, uh, in terms of like the, the total greatness that uh, filming this could hit versus something, a King of comedy, which is much more open ended in that way. But even so, 
like sometimes when he gets in his like little rants with the hecklers or whatever, they're actually well crafted in their own way and they're good, but a, they're only good in context with everything that you know about the film and about this character, right? Not his own efforts, right? It's somebody else's effort. Frank Whaley, right? He's doing the film. It's also based on a play. Somebody provided, I guess, a, a kind of script here. So it's not really based on anything that he's doing. But there's, if you like squint, right? You could even sort of understand maybe why a, a woman like his wife would stay with him as long as she did, right? Maybe there's plenty of moments uh, like this that kind of disconnect from all else. You could sort of, uh, you know, uh, understand what's going on there, you know, between two people and whatnot. But always, like, he, he, you know, he always kind of takes it too far. Like, even in that good rant about the guy in the shoe store, like, he could have sort of ended there. And yes, it made him an asshole. But once he threw the shoe, it's like, all right, he probably got kicked out. He probably can't show up to this club anymore. He probably mm -hmm. got beat up, right? He, he, it's like he can't quite stop himself. So, I mean, there's a lot, uh, I think, that's going on uh, here that's worthwhile, even mm -hmm. if, again, there's definitely a ceiling here that King of Comedy does not have. Mm -hmm. And it does, you know, um, the the fact that it's like these moments happening, they're, they're matter of fact, like when he finds out his grandma died, she's just dead in the chair. You mm -hmm. know, it's understated, it's underwhelming, it's just like, he's like Ruth, and she, she, you know, um, I, so I, I mean, I, say, sorry to interject, Jess, we might say then that kind of like the film is quite good at capturing the way that life has this um almost surreal quality of like dr the way it drones on you know kind of um, um the the way that things sort of you know almost like proust you know you, you get caught in a, a thing like life is made up of these sort of little moments um mm -hmm. but i, I mean I, I guess again i just like to find myself thinking why this character um why why the kind of the the schlub wannabe comedian well because there's a lot of people like that i mean it's a very realistic portrait of a lot of people in the arts who you know they want to try something and, you know i mean uh, mo it, most stand-up comedians i would wager are are exactly like this you know um and those are the people you never see like on the you know on tv or whatever you know, and it's like, and but then Ray, Ray being the the guy who just doesn't have the dream, and he's he's like content just being a pothead. I mean, you see people like this, and and it's like, well, why why shouldn't people like this have films about them when they're so prominent in life? And it it's, it shows you you can make a film or a, about anything um, if you do it in with the right characterization, and 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 you know, it's it's. It's Jimmy's show is very, I think, understated as opposed to King and Co King of Comedy. You could say is a little more ostentatious, and it's more, in a sense, dramatic in that classical sense. Things are happening, you know. Do they go and kidnap the guy? I mean, these things are not likely to happen to most people. But you've probably met someone like Jimmy. Maybe not as nasty. Maybe he had a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it doesn't need to be just about comedy. It can be how many writers or how many people who want to be artists in something. And, you know, really their motivation is just their own um, to prove their own proof of their self-worth. You know, and I think that's, you know, I'm somebody, J Jimmy wants to feel important. And the same thing with Rupert Pupkin. I mean, his whole goal is really just he wants to be famous. I mean, it does the film doesn't shy away from that at all. It's not about, you know, homing your craft or anything like that. It's I want to be famous. I think that, that's almost the key difference with the film for me. Like the, 
the the sort of fame is is almost like um is very much the sort of central theme theme of that film and celebrity. Um, but I mean that's there in the subtext, surely, of um the Jimmy Show. You know, like we all want like maybe um our recognition of ourselves and Jimmy or whatever is that we all would quite like for it to be the whatever show, the Ethan show, the Jess show, the Alex show, you know, I mean, like, isn't that the condition of everyone? I mean, I, I do agree with that, right? There's always um, a, a level of uh, ego, right? In anything that you do, like you, you do want to get, um, you know, whether like, even when people talk about having children, right? It's a matter of, I want to repopulate my ideas, my values, my whatever, mm. right? Uh, into the wider world. Um, the way that I view it, though, and, you know, justified to myself, and of course, like part of this is motivated reasoning, but the idea that that I always kind of put forward is uh, I would never want to be famous for uh, something that I feel like I don't really deserve. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, there's like a certain, like, there, there's certain, like, I said this before with Keith, but it's like, there's always like certain things that I could see that I could do in YouTube where it's like, all right, if I ride this trend, I mean, like, imagine when Russia, Ukraine broke, broke out and I became... I'm going to be the Russian that tells you everything that you never hear from the West about this war. I'm in the telegram groups. I'm translating the Russian. I could have just, you know, done that nonstop for like a year and a half, but that's just like very slimy, right? Like, I don't know if I'd be able to live myself with that. Like I, I, I want to be different, right? I don't want to do the shit that other people are doing with Jimmy. There's really no indication, right? That he even has like a craft that he wants to hone like sometimes mm-hmm. when i put up some of these like uh, youtube uh, uh shorts on my poetry or whatnot or you know doing a poetry workshop i think like damn like i could spend literally the entire day right now editing a poem that is like more or less done and the only people that are going to tell the difference is me and a handful of others are watching this and for almost anybody else this this day that i put into it it literally doesn't matter because they're not going to tell the difference and you know, it's uh, it's not a shortcut, right? It does make life more difficult. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, just looking at my life, I guess the way that I that I would justify it to myself is is well, you don't really take shortcuts, right? You kind of try to make things even more difficult for yourself because you don't want to do what other people are doing, right? The, the, that that big open path that everyone is on, um, you know, if it's too easy, something is wrong. Because I, I hope these points are too general, and that they do like they do have some sort of bearing on on people's experience of the film. But it seems you know when the, this com- conversation about fame and what have you, I mean, really, what we're talking about is like you know the desire to be marketable, right? And uh, like, and I think you know I mentioned sort of Warhol earlier, sort of offhandedly, but uh, I think his great observation, sort of um, vis-a-vis fame, was that to be a celebrity is really to be nobody. You know, you, you kind of like. Uh, it, sort of mediocrity is is both the thing that sort of excludes people from fame, but also it it qualifies you. You know, some mm-hmm. of these big, some of the biggest comedians we can think of are like they are. Um, I mean, they're they're essentially um, cookie cutters. You know, they're not too controversial. They're not too um, uh, cuddly. They're not too handsome. They're not too ugly. They're not too. You know, they're. Um, um, but it, it's it, there's there's a sort of level of sort of arbitrariness in in all of it. And it's, I think that's what drives people crazy. You know, people, um, um, people don't really, I don't know, it's, it's the whole, it, it, that's what makes the desire for fame so kind of infantile, but also so ubiquitous. And we all want to be recognized, but recognized as what? 
Well, you, you know, know, it's so funny. I was, it's funny that we, I accidentally, I don't know, I was on YouTube and something popped up and I don't know if you, you all remember that uh, pop group from the nineties, Millie Vanilli, of course, you know, who were they, they lip synced and, and uh, they got their Grammy revoked. And I was just, I was just looking up, I hadn't thought about them in a while for a long time. And I, and I was reading and apparently I don't, again, I, I don't remember which one said it, but when they won the Grammy, um, one of them had like a big ego and was like, oh, oh, stand over there, Paul McCartney. Um, you know, like, like, like uh, we're better than Bob Dylan. Like just, they just were like, it was just, oh my God. And then the reality was, well, first of all, even if you did sing it, it's not that great to begin with, Mm -hmm. but why were they chosen over the real singers was all the marketability, the image, and there, there is no, there's no depth, but like, like Ethan said, it's like almost like a type of genericness to become so well-known. Alex seemed to be suggesting that people want to be famous to almost like be immortal, like the same way people have children or something like that. You want to leave something. I think people, that could be one of, I think people just want to feel important. They want to feel Mm -hmm. special. They want to feel like, you know, I know with Rupert, when he's um, we'll get into this later when we talk about it, but how he's like having his fantasies where he's like, you know what, Rupert, we just want to say, we're sorry because we didn't think you'd amount to a hill of beans, but then you get famous and you're like, Ooh, look at me now. And, and I'm not somebody so taken in by fame. I'm just, you know, and I don't think any of us are, but there are some people like I do know somebody who follows the celebrity gossip. and, And I go, why do you care about this? Um, and it's sort of like it gives them a way if you're famous you can do anything and then people find it fascinating like i saw some other like clip online it was like taylor swift walking through a a haunted house and it was she was getting scared and it's like watching any woman getting scared by something isn't fascinating but it's only because it's taylor swift you know what i mean it's just always like Oh, look at the celebrities. They pump gas in their car, too. You know, you can basically be totally bland and people find it fascinating. Well, people cultivate that relationship, right? That parasocial, like especially with somebody like Taylor Swift. uh, She's she's extremely well known for her totally like insane fan base that decode all these like so-called messages and her, you know, lyrics and, you know, like they have this like extreme kind of fandom that that gets built up around somebody that is essential. I mean, the, the whole kind of thing, why she is the way that she is, is um, she's so kind of like innocuous, right? And she's so like, the, you know, it's, it's so bland, right? That all these like people could, hmm? She's like a nobody, like I was saying. She's yeah. like just this this vacuum. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's kind of uh, uh, the idea. So, like, people end up forming these power social bonds. And I mean, even honestly, like, in, like uh, we see it a little bit less now because intellectual culture really is, like, so watered down. Like, you know, intellectual culture, like, th- three, four, five decades ago, at least you would have, like, names that would duke it out, right? You would find, you know, a, a James Baldwin on, you know, one of those, like, 60s, 70s shows, uh, I forget the, the famous one that he went on uh, to people, debate some some philosopher. People hmm? used to be famous for what they did. Now we have media personalities, right? Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, the whole thing about Nepo babies. and but, but people can just exchange one career from another. I'm a reality TV star. I'm a chef from daytime I'm an influencer. 
Mm-hmm. I'm an influencer. I'm a fucking, uh, you know, like it's 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 ridiculous. There's the sense that you know, people, fame is its own kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. its own. And, and we see it, you know, not to get too off on this, but we see this like with the writers or artists, they they win some award or they're in the system and that's that's enough for them. It's like, oh, I, I achieved it. And um, it was one of the things I always found. Um, I always respected Eugene O'Neill for was that he wrote two of his best plays after he won the Nobel, you know, that he didn't he didn't just cash in. He wasn't like, oh, I won the Nobel. All's good now. Um, okay. But you see that happen a lot. Can I ask you, because like you mentioned Michael earlier, and you know we started to get back to the film as well. Like, do you think, like, because I do see this as a sort of American realist film. I also see it as almost a kind of like slacker realist film. There is almost something about the tone of it, the characters, sort of the sort of unachievers sort of hanging out. Uh, Ethan Hawke as the stoner. There's almost this sort of like you could smoke a joint and watch this film, and you know it would be a kind of good evening. Um, do you think there's a difference between this sort of American realism, let's say, and like the British or European realism of someone like Mike Lee? The tone, perhaps, the kind of themes or the characters. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think I think um, Mike Lee's characters, one, they tend to be a little more endearing. Um, even when they're quote unquote losers, you kind of still feel for them. I remember when watching Another Year and it was focused on that one. I reviewed that film, uh, focused on that woman, Mary, who's troubled and she um, just messes up her life. But you see how lonely she is at the end, the last scene. She's just sitting at the table, not talking to anyone. So you kind of feel for their for Mike Lee characters. At least I do. Also, they tend to be Mike Lee incorporates a lot more quirkiness. Um, that's just the English way. A lot more quirky kind of humor. Um, whereas this is just. Um, I don't think you feel Jimmy. You feel that for Jimmy. I think this is just sort of like, here's a loser. We're gonna show you. You know, here's a failure. Whatever. We're not gonna turn the camera away. Head on. You're just gonna look at it and deal with it. Um, but in that sense, I, I mean, Mike Lee, I think has a certain level of nuance and complexity. Um, well, he's also more evolved filmmaker than just like this one film. So, uh, it is a good question you make. Um, I remember at the end of the one film from him, um, career girls, that one made me cry. Cause one of the characters, uh, he's got mental, I think he's got mental disability or he's getting some kind of schizophrenia and you just see him completely deteriorate. And it's it's one of the saddest things. I I mean, it made me cry. And I was like, this poor young man who who's you know not. And you you don't sit there like with Jimmy, and you're like, well, he deserves it. You're sitting there going, wow, there are people that this terrible thing, you know, a mental disease or whatever happens to them, and they become essentially helpless. Uh, so um, I think there's more pathos in a, in a Mike Lee film in that sense. There's there's like I said, there's a little bit more of an evolved feelings um, than feeling by the end of the film. I suppose this goes to everyone too. Do we do we end the film going well? It serves Jimmy right. Is that what we're left feeling? Serves him right. You get what you you get what you you bargain for. No, I don't know about that. I mean, I I kind of just say, well, at least maybe he came to some realization, and maybe there's a possibility that he could grow in the future. I mean, this didn't work out with his wife, but maybe in the future, I mean, obviously I don't think he's could be in a relationship with anybody, but maybe he's come to this realization. Maybe then he could 
learn, but probably not. He'll probably so be always like that. Slightly optimistic ending. Uh, the, the, the note of maybe sort of ironical hope or something. Could be, but not likely. Yeah. If you feel that he's starting to uh, get some self-awareness by the end. I mean, it is that line, no more jokes, and this ain't funny, you know, which he just wasn't able to, you know, come to terms with throughout the rest of the film. And so, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I felt like serves you right for finally realizing what like an unfunny drag you are. But but I, I certainly felt like, you know, there's this character's rounding out in some way. And um, um, yeah, slightly optimistic, I would say. I mean, um and I haven't watched too many Mike Lee films, so I, I can't really speak to... Mm. Although I do, I, I, I've seen... Probably the most memorable one to me is Naked. And in these two films, you have, like, these... Both of these unfunny, sort of pretentious, you know, men who are, like, sort of going about wandering the city, you know. Um, but very different films. Uh, and I, I haven't seen Career Girls or um, Another Year or... Mm -hmm. uh, oh, there's a lot on... Um if you get a chance Pretty to watch him. Right. Yeah. Definitely, he's great to watch. And we've been watching, actually, some of his BBC yeah. uh, films are interesting to watch. He does, he really does capture... Stuff, in my opinion. You what? That's some of his best stuff, in my opinion. Yeah, that, Dan thinks so, too. He really likes the BBC. It's almost like you could be there with them. They're so, it's right. so realistic. You know, like, th that, that final line, uh, th that probably is some level of like self-recognition right he if he says there are no jokes but on another level uh, i do think it's it's interesting uh to think about the fact that yes he's not like a good comedian but he's probably at least on stage doing something that is a little bit more interesting than most generic comedians that you would find in like an open mic or whatever it's true that he's not telling jokes but he is sort of talking about his life and you know um it, it, it can't be good disconnected from the rest of the film but you know it, it is a sort of like a little bit more uh background music in a sense right if you're just kind of like sitting mm -hmm. in a bar or whatnot um and it's an angle that most comedians right because they're trying to do comedy most comedians wouldn't necessarily go uh, in in that kind of direction so um and and the thing about it is like you could sort of like see that it's making room for the critique that oh look it's you know it's not just that he's talentless it's just that he hasn't found a proper niche in society but it's also just as true that people that don't find a niche in society uh very often they don't it's not like they necessarily have something to offer um or would or ideally should Right. And that's another one of those like bitter sort of truths that people um, ha have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just on a side note, stand up comedy is bullshit. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like not, not to go off one, it is it's the most, it's absolute bullshit. And like when I hear people talk about the craft of comedy, I think, fucking do me a favor. You know, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know, maybe like, um, you know, um, even like these people like George Carlin or Bill Hicks. I mean, like people really idolize these guys. And I'm like, eh. I'm like or, or like, I mean, e e or, and those guys just say like, it's a, it's an art form. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, everyone wants to be one nowadays. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. yeah, hmm. Even, even, even podcasts, a lot of like, it's like sometimes I, I turn on a podcast and it's like, 
I really have no clue why anybody would even like film this shit. It could be like two, three, four, five hours long. And they're just like bullshitting amongst one another. And I guess the justification is they have a bunch of jokes and inside jokes. I don't find them very funny, but, but still like the yeah, idea is yeah, like, yeah. if you're a podcaster, you need to have like a great sense of humor, right? That's the only way that something this could really work. Um, well, our, so. our beloved Mark McGill, like uh, had a sort of, um, uh, sort of stabbing sort of attempt at a stand-up comedy career uh the other year and i i was sort of tagging along watching that and it was a bit it was a bit like watching the jimmy show actually it was um, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, and i say that from a place of of, of love and he's my yeah. best friend but like you know it's i'm i mean, my god i actually found it quite funny seeing him bomb but um um but then maybe that's because i have a sort of um i'm a, a bit of a sadist but <laughs> i mean uh, i i think the whole thing about yeah, the the sort of stand up guy on the stage, sort of haranguing and sort of um doing this sort of ultra rhetorical thing, and you know like um uh, um and this sort of in in England we call it banter, you know sort of friendly sort of abuse. Like I just think it's it's like this like the height of like macho mm-hmm. like chest bumping ish, and like and I know everyone complains about this woke comedy stuff now, and like yeah, it's also obnoxious, but. Oh God! Like I mean, the, this was something you guys invented: stand-up comedy. You Americans, like we actually had a great in Europe. We had a pretty great tradition of music hall, um, pantomime, comedia dell'arte, and then you fuckers invent stand-up comics and you ruin it for the rest of the world. This is why we need Ethan on the show. You know, like we're in the world and they have all these American-style stand-up comics, like and like this Bill Burr. And I said to my wife, "Make me a sandwich." Like, oh my god like but i think that's kind of it's quite a contemporary thing like why are we so in love with this american stand-up comic thing you know the guy on stage with the mic well tell how it is that it bleeds in the guy like alex said that will lead into this discussion and and a lot of a lot of media pundits now have that kind of if not um earnest sort of stand-up comic they have that sort of you know, Tucker Carlson is a kind of stand-up. Steven comic. Crowder tries to be a fucking comedian. Give me a break! Like everybody, everybody wants to be funny. I mean, yeah. you know, yes, isn't that is that we all want to be funny? And what? what yeah. I mean, I mentioned Hegel in passing. Hegel said this was the problem with modernity coming around and like his distinction with like between people. Everyone wants to to laugh at something, and it doesn't matter what they want to laugh at. Like they just want to like whether it's people's frailty or whatever it's like people just um, uh, want to it's it, it, you know it's i think there's a cynicism that comes with like the whole stand-up um bull pit thing of you know like and i've seen it you know i've been to open mics i go to open mics every week and mostly it's guys doing acoustic guitars not comedy but it's it's pretty it's pretty brutal and it's um, um you know i i think it's it it probably is reflective of that sort of dance monkey dance thing that goes on with like our entertainment complex now kind of we we that's how we all think and that's how we all see entertainment you know and it's um um, very much uh sink or swim it's Mm. brutal i mean uh, america exports you know pretty much everything right um everything is a kind of like a generic uh westernized monoculture even if you if you look at you know, Asian and whatnot, they still take so many cues from the way that America does things or Russia takes so so many cues from the way that America does things. And it's especially annoying because 
you know, from many places, they're always like five or 10 years behind. And it's behind a trend that is not, it's terrible to begin with. But if you have a terrible trend and you date it even further, that's going to make it twice as bad. So um, I'm guessing- I was was just trying to be funny, really. It's it's not your fault that everyone tries to be like America. Like, you know, it's, but- Well, of course it's not my fault, but but, I mean, we do export everything, right? We export everything here. Um, All right, guys. So thank you for uh, sitting with us for this artifact. I I used to keep track of the numbers, but uh, I forget which number this is, uh, which I think is- for the better and for patrons and youtube members you could stick around and watch our discussion on king of comedy thank you and we'll see you soon